Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. I'm Will Mellard and I've got Ben Nichols from KPA Lettings in Bristol. Great to have you on, Ben. Thanks for having me, Will. It's a pleasure to be back. So KPA is a family-owned business. There's multiple generations involved. Uh, they specialise in, uh, in the student HMO market predominantly, working with a number of portfolio landlords uh, across the city. Uh, and they're... Uh, landlords in their own right and, and actively involved in, in a number of larger projects. So uh, Ben's probably best known uh, in social media circles uh, in his various roles as the host of Bristol Property Networks, including Partners in Property Bristol, uh, which you can look up on the Partners in Property website, uh, and Bristol Landlords, which... Um, uh, again, is uh, found on, on Facebook and, and a very active uh, participant and leader of, of those two, um, I suppose, networks within the Bristol property community. Um, he also uh, hosts a regular um, Management Monday uh, live slot, which you can find in the UK Property World group on Facebook. So with that brief introduction, Ben, uh, we're going to get started and start talking about the topic of today, which is basically outsourcing. And how do we get rid of all the hard stuff um, as, as uh, property owners? What, what's uh, what's your, your basic background and what, why should we be listening to you on this? Thanks, Will, and thanks for that great introduction. And of course, it's important to remember that with the UK Property World Group, we're talking about this every single Monday, how you can streamline and improve whether you are self-managing or whether you are working with an agent, how to get the most out of that relationship. Because working with an agent is actually outsourcing. You know, you are looking to work with somebody else who is going to do that role for you and act as your agent when it comes to managing tenants and managing your property and keeping it compliant. So when we're looking at outsourcing, there's a number of different things that we can talk about. And I know we're going to get into those individual topics when we're looking at how you outsource potentially just part of the work that you do. So because you have to, maybe you're not compliant. So for example, you'll use an accountant who's going to lodge your accounts every year or whether you're going to outsource a very specific part of your role and bring team members in, or even better, which is my favorite, bring technology in to start to automate some of the things that you do on a regular basis within your business. So our outsourcing started when we were looking at the things that we'd done with our self-management. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, Will and I did talking about lettings and self-management and why KPA started, it was always about that service. That service was really, really important that we were delivering to our tenants. 
And through self-management, we realized that we had inadvertently created a job for ourselves. We'd self-managed all of our investments, and it does take a lot of time. There is a lot that needs to be done when it comes to managing property, because you're managing the property, the compliance certificates, the maintenance, the building itself, but you're also managing the people, the tenants, finding the right tenants, looking after them and keeping in touch with them on a regular basis. And all of the customer service and interactions and communications around that and uh, making sure that all the books and records are in order. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we always used to have a joke in the office and this is kind of where the outsourcing started for us because we realized that there was work being done that could be being done by other people or by ourselves in a more effective manner so we are hmo investors that was always our primary strategy although we've divulged recently as will mentioned before and we've started looking at some slightly larger projects we did a great deal summary on a block of flats recently but with hmos specifically especially when they're rented by the room the biggest platform you're going to use to help you find tenants is spare room and Spare Room is a fantastic portal. It's like right move, but specifically for HMO rooms, for students and also for working professionals. But in Bristol, that Spare Room portal is very, very active. Now, that's not a bad thing per se, because it means that you are going to be able to find continual stream of tenants. But what it does mean is that the best operators out there are responding to messages very, very quickly. And we always used to call it the spare room baby. When someone sends a message, that's the spare room baby. It's crying. <gasps> Go pick it up quick. Get back to them. Get back to that message. And everybody who deals with us on spare room will get a response within an hour. That's our aim. That's one of the KPIs that we work to as a group. And you can use your technology to work on your KPIs. And again, I think we'll touch on that later. But we then realized that there's always work to be done because people that are working professionals, they're not going to send messages between nine to five because they're working themselves. So the spare room baby was crying at all hours of the night and over weekends and somebody had to answer it. So that's how the outsourcing started. We thought, well, we need to work on a way of getting our team in place so that we can deal with these responses so that the rest of our team are able to focus on slightly different areas of the business and continue growing the investments and not just respond to the spare room messages. And you, of course, uh, like a, a large number of people would look for property change or, or look at moving into new places outside working hours. And, and those messages uh, can either sit there overnight or, or they can be responded to in a timely fashion. So what, what was your initial thinking uh, around um, what, what, what were the options open to you as far as outsourcing? So it depends on- You've gone down what, what one particular route and, and I, I'd like to understand the thought process behind choosing that because it seems to be working out really well but there are other ways to skin the, the cat as they say <laughs> yeah absolutely so with the outsourcing there are there were different options that we had available to us so imagine where we are we're sat at this crossroads now we realize that there are too many there's too much time being taken up by these spare room responses, spare room messages. And actually, to be honest, um, finding and managing tenants within our own portfolio in general. So there's a couple of paths ahead of us. We can either continue where we are. We can hire someone full time. We can In-house, you mean, locally? In-house, yeah. So yep. hire someone who would step in as a full time property or lettings manager. We can potentially hire a few people part-time to do different parts of the role. Or actually, we can go the whole hog, like I mentioned before, and work with the letting agent in their entirety. So we looked at each of those options, 
continue doing it ourselves wasn't really very viable. It hadn't, you know, it, we'd hit a point with the critical mass where we needed to find another answer to that. So that wasn't really something we liked the idea of. Working with somebody full time who has a multi range of skills and can do everything is great and has potential to be a very, very good solution, but it's also quite costly. Someone who has those different range of skills is able to um, charge more for their time just because they have the extra range of skills. The letting agent angle didn't appeal to Or us. alternatively, if they, they cost less, they, they may not have the full range of skills and you end up being drawn back in as the uh, as a delivery resource for, for elements of the, the job or, exactly or quality suffers. Exactly that, yeah. So you need to make sure that anytime you're outsourcing, you're outsourcing, whether that be to a piece of technology or to a member of staff or to an external firm, that they are capable. You're outsourcing and you're paying for that service. You don't want a compromise and you don't want it to be a halfway house because you are going to end up mopping up behind them. And that time that you've saved by outsourcing in the first instance, you've then lost again by mopping up behind them, which doesn't really help anybody. And you're paying for the privilege. So the letting agency angle didn't appeal to us too much either. And um, we spoke to a number of agents out there. And again, there was always a compromise somewhere. So we sat down and said, well, we can create a tech solution and we can look to work with remote admin staff who can then fill the gaps where the tech perhaps can't. So one of the first books that I read that made a huge difference, completely changed my mindset on this topic is called The E-Myth Revisited by a chap called Michael Gerber. Um, and Michael Gerber talks a lot about what Ray Kroc has done with McDonald's. And if you look at McDonald's as a business, wherever you go and buy a Big Mac, you will get a Big Mac. You can buy a Big Mac in London or a Big Mac in Tokyo, and it will be the same everywhere you go. So within your business, it's to try and replicate that and get the same system to create the same outputs again and again and again. That repeatability is invaluable. So that's one of the big things that we look to do. So in terms of how we did it and what we did to systemize, we mapped out the processes. Every business is a collection of processes. It's a series of things that you have to do in particular orders and you have to get from A to B. Now, how you get from A to B is what makes your business unique compared to somebody else's. But A is the start point and B is the end point. And that defines what your business does going from A to B, just how you get there that makes you unique. So taking the time to map that out from start to finish, we were then able to look at the individual tasks that were broken down within that set of workflows. From there, you then look at each of those workflows and you say to yourself, well, can that be done by a piece of technology? Is it repeatable? Is it the same every single time? Can I automate it? Because that's the gold standard. Computers cost less than humans. They make far less mistakes than humans. And if you can get something to be automated, that has to be your first point. And that, that frees up the human resource to, uh, to do other things, which are perhaps um, more high value or, or interactive or uh, pr provide a more uh, personal element. Precisely. So when you're looking at a task, there's kind of two elements to look at. There's the whether or not you should be doing it. And that falls under whether or not it is something that is highly skilled that you are needed for, or whether it's something that you enjoy, because you shouldn't neglect the things you enjoy either. And if it's high income producing, then it's something that you need to spend your time on. But if it's not, then you can start to look at the different avenues of outsourcing and automation. So as I said, Gold Star is looking at computers. The next thing is, can it be done remotely? Because if it can be done remotely, can it be done potentially by a VA or a virtual assistant? 
So for those of you that haven't heard of VAs, that sort of virtual assistant is actually a bit of a misnomer. They're very much real people. Uh, and actually with a lot more remote working going on, a lot more offices and employees now are technically VAs. You know, you can have VAs that are in the UK, in Australia, in the Philippines, they can be absolutely anywhere in the world. And it's someone just sat at the other end of a computer doing tasks in the same way you would if you're working from a home office. So can it be done from a desktop? Because if it can be done from a desktop, is there a way of working with a VA on that particular task? Do you think that they'd be suitable? If it can't be done from a desktop, does it need to be done on site? Because if it does need to be done on site, then you're probably going to need to either do that yourself or hire someone in the UK to get those things done. And then from there, if it comes back and none of those things are applicable, then it falls back into the category of something you're going to need to look at yourself. So that um, that book that Emeth revisited is a, a superb. Um, it must be must be thirty years old now. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'd also point listeners to a couple of other uh, quite popular resources. Work the system by Sam Carpenter, uh, and the Checklist Manifesto. I, I don't recall the author off offhand, but they're they're all loosely the same. Um, uh, the same basic tenant is that uh, large businesses tend to be uh, large because they've figured out how to do things a bit better. And in general, they've written things down, they've identified processes, they've made them repeatable. Um, and and what, what Ben's describing here is like a live example of um, a, a small business being able to grow significantly and uh, improve the quality standards uh, to an extent, I imagine, while freeing up the time of the uh, the founders and you know to do high value uh, activities, be that within the business or outside. The checklist manifesto is a, is a great book, and actually checklists are a fantastic place to start. One of the questions I get asked because I give presentations on systems and outsourcing quite a lot, and one of the things I get asked always is, "Well, where do I begin?" I don't really know what to do. How do I create a system? You know, I'm quite fortunate. I've got a maths background. I'm quite techie. I'm quite happy learning how to write code. So I could create us a piece of software. But for a lot of people, that's like they don't want to do that. And I completely respect that. So checklists are the way to go. Very, very simple thing to create, yet a very powerful tool when implemented properly. And the one just to add on, build on what Will was saying about it enables you to free up the human resource It also enables you to outsource the job that you're doing. If you're not using tech to somebody else, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. And if it's nice and simple and straightforward, the idea is that anybody can follow it and they won't make mistakes. There's there's another book, which um, it's probably a little bit more involved, but I'd highly recommend uh, called The Goal, uh, which is about process analysis and the elimination of bottlenecks. Um, and uh, uh, you know th- these are all uh, th- these are all resources that are easily available, um, and and I'd encourage uh, listeners to avail of these, and and indeed you know uh, engage um, and engage with with Ben and, and, and other people who are uh, you know are living this this um, you know day to day. Like you've you've taken something that that was very um, management intensive or the management was doing all of the, the work and, uh, and and you've systemized it you've uh, you've as you've said identified how to uh, like what, what's going to be outsourced what's going to be um, 
automated, um, and, and that that process of just splitting things up and identifying uh, how things work. What's the best way? What's the optimal way of doing something? Um, and I, I think that step alone is worth doing, even if you're not going to automate or outsource or delegate a single thing, figuring out the easy way to do something, uh, the best way to do something, the right way to do something. And th they all have slightly different meanings, but um, that that can open up hours a day in your, um, you know, which is not insignificant if you're a, uh, a small property business owner and, and you know, you're looking to have more time and, and perhaps uh, progress a little bit more in terms of what you're up to. Um, it's made ben, a what, massive what? difference for us in everything that we've done by freeing up that time. And we now know that the lettings in terms of once a property is onboarding and within our system, it takes care of itself. The team look after it and they do it to a very high standard because everybody is following the same set of processes and the same set of procedures. The goal that you mentioned is a really, really good book at looking at it from a different perspective. You know, we always talk about taking property as a business. When you're a property investor, treat it like a business. Well, the goal talks about the operational side of your business and it actually likens it back to a manufacturing plant. And it says, well, if you've got these sets of machines that go in to create widget one and actually that machine there is particularly slow, then you're going to have a bottleneck. Now, most people don't recognize bottlenecks within their business because 99% of the time in an SME, it's you. And actually, you need to step out of that and stop being the bottleneck by allowing things to be automated and allowing people to take some of those other bits and pieces off your plate so that you can perform in the areas that you can perform in. So looking at the throughput, which is how fast things can move from your business from A to B, like we talked about, and where those potential bottlenecks might be, makes a huge difference. And and looking back, uh, Ben, what, what was the... Um, what was the two or three things that you'd do differently if you were to uh, go through this um, process? And I'll just just outline like the significance of this. So you've you've gone from having your own portfolio, self-managed, um, to spending less time in total uh, while taking on dozens and dozens of client portfolios. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, admittedly in the same, you know, broad geographic area, um, but with less management time input um, and, and that there's a better result and you're, you're, you're gaining, you know, a, a very uh, positive reputation locally in terms of your uh, quality of service and, and the deliverability. Uh, uh, I, I don't know uh, how much it differentiates differentiates between your your client properties and and your own ones but the reputation is building because things are getting done consistently and into a standard that seems to be increasingly where that that the industry is going particularly in hmos yeah it's a really good question in terms of what would we have done differently so i think the first thing is that we would have digitized sooner so we have always had checklists in place. You know, as you know, KPA was founded by my grandma back in 1948. We've got a long standing of running businesses. So they, the awareness of a necessity of procedures and processes and checklists has always been there. 
Um, and that's something that my dad works very, very hard on and we've worked on together. So it was always there from day one. But actually, I'm a big fan of doing things digitally. So I think we probably would have digitized a little bit sooner. Things like, and again, doesn't need to be complicated. A lot of people like to overcomplicate these things. Keeping it simple is the best mm -hmm. way. So platforms like Google Drive that allow you to share documents between mm -hmm. people, you know, they're now very commonplace, but they weren't so commonplace kind of five, six years ago, or at least they weren't as universally mm -hmm. used by everybody. That makes a massive, massive difference um so for those that are looking at this and saying well where do i start i would look at those things that you're doing again and again and again so for property investors it might be for example a property viewing when you go to a property viewing do you have a checklist of all of the things that you want to look for when you're at that viewing and nudges for yourself to take photos so that you've then got things to refer back to so you can make educated mm -hmm. informed decisions following that viewing and there will be lots of little things like that within your business that you can look at and say, actually, I do that quite a lot. Is there a way of streamlining that process and making it more effective and efficient? So I think digitizing would have been one of the first things we'd like to have done um, a little bit sooner. I think the other thing that's made a massive difference to us is being able to tie in um, on the ground team members with virtual team members. And again, it, it's about understanding. So we had lots of disparate, disparate bits and things that we were doing. Um, and bringing all of those under one umbrella has made a massive difference. And there's a software solution for most things out there. So our inventories now, we use something called iSurvey, which is fantastic. It allows us to create one inventory and that inventory is then in place for that tenant and any future tenants for that property. And we can do our interim reports linked back to that inventory. Now, creating them does take a little while, but creating any inventory takes a little while. So once that legwork is done once, it's then in the system and it's then maintained and can be produced into reports. So there are some great software solutions out there. But yeah, I guess the answer to your question, Will, is I wish we'd have done it sooner. Yeah, there's a, um, an interesting thought came to mind where uh, I believe one of the blockages that uh, many small business owners uh, have is that they, uh, they take responsibility for, uh, for everything. And, and the idea that you're going to pass something over to someone else, um, no one can do it as well as you. And, and the, you know, I, I'm not scared of hard work. And I, I, when, I, when I think of um, your, your mum in particular, like she's a, a lovely person, but she's had a background of running, um, you know, quite large uh, staff groups within... Uh, within the organisation over an extended period of time. She's obviously not scared of hard work having swum the channel, which uh, you it's impossible to do without doing a lot of hard work. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and then the, the mindset shift that's required to, uh, to start shipping some of this stuff off to other people, to, uh, to automation, to... Um, and and you know getting into the the detail of it, how how have you found it as a management group, uh, the communication and figuring out what to focus on next? Because it, it, there's a, a continuous series of improvements that I, I perceive that you're, you know, uh, it's an ongoing process basically. 
it really is and you're right especially when you're looking at small businesses a lot of people as i said before they tend to be their own bottlenecks because they want to get everything done themselves and they want to give it that seal of approval but also they want to try and keep their costs low they don't look at um, members of staff or pieces of technology as cost centers not income centers because actually someone that frees up maybe three four hours of your time every week or even better every day will allow you to go on and do those extra bits and pieces. So yeah, we, we sat down as a group and we did come at it from quite a strategic perspective. You know, we looked at, we have our resources as they sit right now being the three of us and where are our resources being allocated? And the honest answer was we hit a critical mass with our own investments and we couldn't push things forward any further if we were gonna continue self-managing in the way that we were self-managing. So when I talked about before that crossroads that we'd come across and the options that we'd looked at, that's why continuing to do it ourselves was not one of the viable options. So again, we sat down as a group and said, well, if we're going to do this as a tech solution, then it's going to be me building that tech solution because I am the one that's more au fait with technology. How That means that Angie is going to have to take on a lot more of that operational workload to allow me to do that because obviously there's time involved. And then when the tech solution is in place, it will free up both of us to be able to go and do extra bits and pieces and move the business forward in different directions. So we are very strategic about it and we look at ourselves as resources and we are finite resources as every business owner is and making sure that we have the capacity to continue growing the business in different directions and what support will we need in order to achieve that. And could you point to um, two or three like moments where you just thought, wow, how did we not, you know, do this before? What, 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 were, uh, what, what were the sort of outcomes and uh, what, what was the process that you, um, you got very excited about and you, you realised, wow, this is, this is um, I'm going to be able to have morning tea uh, most days now. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, the thing that was fantastic was seeing the feedback that we had from the new housemates about the team members that we'd put in place to do the property management. We always ask people for feedback and uh, the, the phase one when we started implementing this was like I mentioned about the spare room baby was for someone to be dealing with the messages back and forward. And that is actually quite a challenging thing to outsource because they've got to speak in your voice. They've got to adopt your uh, mentality and the way that you deal with housemates, which for us, keeping service very, very high is really, really important in how that's managed. But I would then turn up to the viewing. This was back when we used to do viewings. I would turn up to the viewing and um, someone would say, oh, I thought I was going to get to meet Lois. Oh, she was really lovely when I spoke to her via message. And I'm stood there going, oh, hi, nice to meet you, by the way. <laughs> yep. OK, well, I mean, that's fantastic to hear. And you'd be surprised how many times we used to get that. And I must admit, Will, you know, before doing this. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard someone so uh, happy to be uh, a disappointment <laughs> to, a, to a client. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we had that exact same mentality, thinking this is going to be very difficult to outsource. No one's going to do this better than us. How do we make sure we repeat this? And all of those fears were there very much so. Now, again, I was very fortunate we could draw on Angie and Peregrine's experience, and they say, yes, that is how you will feel to begin with. But if we do X, Y, Z, we can make sure that those standards are upheld. So that was the first one um, was when I used to get, uh, yeah, people <laughs> disappointed when I opened the door rather than the team member that they had been speaking to. 
But the other one, looking at from a performance perspective, you know, the team members that we have put in place knock spots off the KPIs that we used to achieve, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's all part of the business evolution is putting people in those roles that can deliver on them to a really high standard. So we manage those KPIs quite closely. Um, we look at KPIs. And so KPIs, for those of you that haven't heard that term before, are key performance indicators. Mm -hmm. They are proof that your business or the bits that you've outsourced, or even when you KPI yourself, what you're achieving is uh, at the level that you want it to be. So let's look at an example. So for us, one of the metrics, and it's not a KPI, but it's one of the things that we measure, is our void rate. Now, I know a lot of people think, well, hang on a minute, you run a lettings company, you have investments, why is that not one of your KPIs? Well, the reason is that a KPI should be something that influences a key metric within your business. And void rate is a key metric. If that void rate is starting to go up, then it's too late because it's already empty and it's already costing you money. So when you're looking at your KPIs, look at those key metrics and take one step removed. So for example, we're looking at how many people will be booking in for a viewing. And that's a second order KPI. So it's one step removed. And then look at something that's two steps removed and then start to measure that and have a look at that. So, for example, for us, it would be where people are um, speaking to us, where they're booking their viewings from, what platforms are they communicating with us on? So we know that's where we need to double down our efforts. And that would be a third order KPI because the platform is going to influence the number of bookings, which is going to influence whether or not you have a void and therefore your percentage of voids. So when we're looking at those second and third order KPIs, we measured them quite closely and our team's KPIs were far, far better than Angie and I's. And I remember when we first saw that and we first noticed and saw how good they were at what they were doing, that was another moment of pride, I think, to be honest with you. you know, we'd constructed the system, we'd found these fantastic people, we'd put them into place and created something from nothing. And now they're not only delivering on the results, the feedback that we're getting from the people they're interacting with um, speaks in volumes. So that was a fantastic thing as well. But those KPIs are really important and KPI yourself, you know, know what targets you're trying to reach for yourself so that you can deliver on those results. And um, Ben's available for uh, bespoke consulting days, uh, £2,000 plus VAT. Uh, so if you'd like to get in touch and find out more about uh, that, please just get in touch with Ben via LinkedIn or via the kpa.co.uk website. Uh, Ben Nichols. Well, there we go. Actually, well, I found something that I can do after my morning tea. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's actually only a three-quarter day that uh, that the two thousand pounds plus VAT covers. So, um, so Ben Nichols, uh, KPA, great to have you on, um, and we, we look forward to uh, adding you to to the next panel discussion that we, we uh, we've got coming up. Uh, listeners may be interested in, in looking through the back episodes. Um, Ben's done a, a number of uh, podcasts with us um, and his, his personal profile one uh, is certainly worth looking up. So uh, thanks again. I'm Will Mallard. This is My Property World Podcast. Uh, ben, thanks. Will, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure and I love what you're doing with the podcast and putting great information out there for everybody and with the Facebook group as well. So thank you to you for the hard work I know you put in. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. 
whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading, or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining, and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to, and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, my property world is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.